Well, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, it's another conversation with Agility by Nature. And today I am joined by Dean Bryan. Uh, he's talking to me from his rather spanking gorgeous apartment in Wapping, from the look of it. Uh, and we were just talking about, I've got a garden, so I'm feeling quite privileged. Dean, <laughs> gardens? No gardens, no gardens. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, green with envy at the moment. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I do feel for you, buddy. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm allowed five other people in my garden if you want the barbecue. Yeah, I'll give you the invite now. <laughs> Please. Uh, it's good to see you. Good to hear from you. Um, you I noticed uh, when I was snooping around your LinkedIn, you, your 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 degrees in law and uh, Erin yeah. Davis, who I spoke to recently, her degrees in law, my degrees in law. What's oh, it no. for? Uh, I, I think once you realise uh, that it's not at all, I don't think it's cracked up to be what, what maybe it, it looks like. Not everyone gets to be Harvey Specter. And once I realise that the, the chance of me being Harvey Specter uh, and having a mic for us, that's my wingman, I thought maybe I should, uh, I should look at something else. So, so how did you get your, how did your journey from being a law degree to, I mean, your yeah. business transformation consultant, I've been really looking forward to talking to you about engagement and how to make those things work. But tell us a little bit about your journey from law degree to business transformation consultant. Yeah, so uh, once I finished law school, then, um, you know, I interned with some QCs and some partners and uh, I asked them, do you get to um, make it home in time for dinner and do you get to take your kids to school and they said you should probably go to medical school <laughs> so, <laughs> at that point i said you know this probably isn't for me um and i launched uh, a tech startup um uh, by 24 we had um hooked up with kpmg's high growth early stage team so they mentor anyone that they they believe is has um unicorn status yeah uh, we brought through the cash and so we had been using scrum um, and so, you know, we, you have conversations with, with partners. Um, and so they said, you know, there, there are a lot of enterprises which um, really want this skill. You are in a unique position where you kind of understand business from a different perspective. It's not um, enterprise, you know, how to run a, a multinational, but you're approaching the, the um, transformation and change management from a different perspective. So go give it a try. And, and it really started out from there. I, a, a law firm asked me to, to come and help them. Um, and then it kind of just blossomed, I, I think. It's, it's been an interesting journey, but definitely not one that was planned. That's not, maybe not typical. But I mean, when you, <laughs> you, you, you say blossom, um, I think I saw quite a few companies in your Vodafone, ING, BP, yeah. GSK. I mean, these are big names. These are big names. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's been very fortunate, right? So there's been those that you've mentioned, BNP Paribas, Fortis, um, over in Belgium, um, National Grid. So I think um, you kind of get a mixture of what you put in uh, yeah. comes out of it. Um, but also, I guess, your reputation precedes you. So if, if you do a good job, yeah. people do tend to recommend you. And thankfully... I've met some amazing people on the way who have not only taken me under the wing and helped me to, to grow as an individual, um, but they've remembered when, you know, we've worked together and that's, that's certainly helped. That's, that's always a nice you know, referral uh, is always a really nice yeah. way to, to get your next piece of work. 
Uh, and it's really reassuring that you, yeah, you're only as good as your next gig, of course. But yeah. it's nice to know that you've got a, a back catalogue of hit singles behind you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it helps. It helps when you do the introduction, right? When you meet the CC, you know, you're so about to deliver a message. Is this transform anytime the, the, the transformation word comes up? I mean, we talk about IT projects which don't always have the best reputation for on time, on scope, and being successful. I think yeah. transformation programs possibly are even more um, or less successful. Well, when you yeah. what's, what's the ingredients? How do you approach business transformation now, putting all your experience together? What's the sort of starting step yeah. for you? So, for me, the starting point is always to read the annual report okay yeah um because i i personally feel like i haven't done my due diligence and and it's unprofessional for me to walk into an organization and say what are you actually trying to do yeah. when they published a report that has you know tens if not hundreds of pages yeah um, and and so that's the the starting point i then cross-reference that with um, what Gartner and uh, Forrester are saying about what's happening in the industry. Okay. Um, I, I tend to work uh, every morning to try to understand what's happening in, in real time. Yeah. Uh, because again, that gives you some contextual reference. Um, and then I'd say the preceding step before I, I step on site and I ask them, you know, what what's the real problem that you're, you're asking me to address? Because now I, I kind of get an understanding on what, what's happening um, from a, a macro perspective. I, I guess the, the last thing that uh, I try to understand is um, what happened previously with the company. Yeah. So I may cross-reference a, an old annual report to say, well, well what changed? And, and yeah. you know, if you see a, a dramatic change um, in terms of what they see as a problem, then you kind of, you kind of get that. Um, those are, I guess, the starting points for me. Okay, so it's, it's really framing the company, understanding the company, framing the industry in your mind. So you've got the context sorted out. Yeah, yeah, 100%, because the, the line of question you ask is, at least for me, is quite different. I think yeah. what I've learned over time is, um, I think surface level, the problems tend to be the same across mm. most uh, companies and, and industries, right? So, yes. you know, do we have alignment? Are we prioritizing things? Can we do yeah. benefits realization? Is it all structure optimal? How do we get efficiencies? Um, you know, how do we automate more things? And I think that the recent viruses kind of proven the, the business case for why you do want more automation. And that's a separate conversation but I think if you don't have the context then when and, and it doesn't matter whether you're speaking to someone um, on the field who's in a team um, or an executive you you can lose a lot of credibility very quickly because you yeah know, absolutely you're not relatable so and you know when we talk about change and classically when we think about agile transformations there's always yeah. this bottom-up and top-down argument and for my yeah. mind you've got both yeah. Do we talk about engaging the senior executives? Because if you haven't got that top top level uh, sponsorship, yeah. I don't think you're going to succeed. End of. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Absolutely yeah. agree. How do how do we get them on board? Is the first thing then, I guess. So for me, the the the, the first thing that I try to do is um, when I and and I've recently had a few engagements with the, the, the C suite at uh, my current client 
is I try to take agile off the table. Um, yeah, yeah. And I try not to use that word at all. So given the fact that I've looked at the annual report, my, my questions are normally, um, you know, what's the problem? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. And just to give you, before you, you know, explain where you see the opportunities and the challenges, um, this is my understanding of where your organization is based on me reading the annual report, mm-hmm. which generally I've, I've never seen um, a lead, someone in a leadership um, position um, not be blown away. And I don't know if that's because other people aren't doing it um, or they are, but they don't lead with that. Yeah. But that changes the dynamic. One, because they understand that you have read the annual report uh, and whether they have or they haven't, or, or it's been some time, you're now framing it from, I get that you're looking at the organization from like 50,000 feet in the air and help me to understand whether the context of us engaging is correct. Do I understand it? Yeah. And yeah. then help me to understand honing on what you are specifically. Yeah. Um, and then we have, you know, there's a dialogue, right? And, and I ask them to prioritize uh, which opportunities and problems are most important, where they see the enablers and where do they see the resistance. Um, and I always, you know, they, they always say, well, these are the challenges I see. Maybe there's um, someone else who isn't as convinced or so forth. Um, and my general approach is to try to build trust, which everyone says, and I think speaks about when, when they're in our profession, but the way that I specifically try to do that having tried to establish some credibility from introducing myself and explaining yep. that in a report is to say, okay, well, I can't tell you what to do, but based on what has worked for me previously and um, other executives is to go and speak to that individual or that group of people and to not talk about what you want. Ask them what they are trying to do. Yeah. Um, where they see the problems and the opportunities, literally what I'm doing to you, and then come back and let's have a conversation. And I'm not saying in that conversation, I can tell you what to do, but at least we can then frame, okay, well, this is how I would approach it. And you take what you want from that. Yeah. And then apply what you want, because if you can create the win-win and you are now seen as the enabler, uh, and that tends to go really well, because at that point, they're willing to have a conversation with you and, and they feel like they've, they've learned something. So you've been off some value way. So that's how I tend to engage them. One last comment, I guess I'd always say is I, I always advise them. If you want people in your organization to um, follow the change curve and buy in, you have to align the incentive program. Oh, okay. Uh, and, the, the, and the reason is if I can still um, gain my bonus yeah. from doing things in the old way, um, why, would I, why would I change? Like, I know what works, right? I know how to operate in that environment. If you're now going to tell me I need to do this new thing, but my bonus structure is, work, is based on the old way, I'm not taking the risk of doing something. Uh, and, and so... Yeah. It's, it's, it's probably like one-on-one in the NBA, like make sure you, you, your incentive scheme is aligned to the results, but it's often overlooked in transformation. So I think that's one of the key things that the Agile coach probably doesn't tell you. Yeah. Um, and part of that is not just 
um, delivery of the project is have you tracked the the benefits? Have yeah. they materialized in, in the time frame you wanted? And have you developed the capabilities, the underpinning, whether that's you know um, a technical one like machine learning or it's individual skills? You know, by the time that you're going into whether it's BAU or whatever we want to call it, um, do the people in your organization have the skills to be able to assure business continuity? Yeah. And those kinds of things, from my perspective, have at least nudged leadership. I guess. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a really good point about the uh, incentives. I mean, I, I have I used to have a real job many years ago, and we, had, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we and I actually have done some coaching engagements then. But uh, mm. you're quite right. You you're told everybody's behind it. We're going yeah. in this direction. Uh, we we will achieve it. And then you find out um, half the board, if not all the board, are rewarded on something fundamentally different that could be competitive, in fact, to the transformation. And, you know, you think, what, why are you doing that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's really keen. And, and the, I guess one other thing that I forgot, is I tried to tell, not tell, but advise um, leadership is to reduce the amount of induced schizophrenia. At which point they always look at me like, what, what are you talking what do you about, you crazy guy? <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the, the swarm about credibility, you, you had just one, you, you may lose it, uh, tread carefully. Um, and what I say is, you've got two states. Um, you have the new state that you're kind of flirting with, where people uh, adapt to this new way of working, and, and it may be like pure Scrum or Kanban or yeah. like hybrid of like work smarter, is what I kind of call it. Um, and then you've got the classical governance. And so what you end up doing is sending a few people into teams or uh, maybe this new kind of organization structure, which might be a tribal or release chain or whatever, uh, and they behave one way. And then they finish in their daily stand-up and then they go back into this classical world. Yeah. And it, <laughs> you're, you're causing them to almost be schizophrenic where they don't know how do I really behave in this thing because yeah, yeah. my line manager who is doing my performance appraisal is really classical, but yeah. you're asking me or, or you're paying this person to come in and tell me, push back, I need to be autonomous and I should own it. It's like, wait, I, yeah, I yeah. still have to have my bonus, right? Like my family need that for like exactly. the deposit on the house or whatever it may be. So safety first. That again is something, yeah, it's, it's really important. Yeah. So I love this, you know, um, first of all, start the language, business language. And by the way, I love the reading the annual report. We got caught out of this oh, 20, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And yeah. a came in, smart guy, actually. Mm. And he said, I understand your business is trying to do X. And my boss said, well, are we? And how did you know? He said, well, I just read your annual report. <laughs> this guy didn't know what was in his own annual report. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's a smart tip, that, by the way. So it's a nice one to give out to everybody. Um, setting the context, uh, alignment on reward. I think you touched on capability as well across the organization. A lot of people just see their transformation quite a siloed way. And actually, yeah. talking about, yeah, we're talking about the sponsorship. And I think we're now understanding how you get people on. How do we mobilize the organization? I think that's where you're touching on, particularly where there's legacy technology and there's probably legacy silos. They're arranged in, as, as an organization in horrible silos. I say horrible, yeah. in silos. 
yeah, yeah. And how do, you, how do you how do you break those down, or, or or how do you address the silo question? So I I guess for me what I've recently been doing is having a conversation um, with executives and, and people in PMOs about uh, what makes sense to you from a finance perspective. Okay. Um, and the reason why I said from the finance perspective is your customers give you money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you want them to continue to do so and not go to a competitor, whether it's an established competitor or someone that you think is not even relevant, but they are probably going to do what um, Tesla or what Zoom is doing to, to Skype right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, on WebEx. Um, you need to kind of step outside of your organization and, and figure out what do they actually buy. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's not, it's not your complex matrix structure, right? So yeah, yeah. that <laughs> kind of leads down to, uh, and, and if you um, are into the theory of um, disruption by Christian Clayton, and uh, for me, that, that means you kind of have three options in terms of your, your org structure, uh, assuming that you're not going to keep the complex matrix you have. Mm -hmm. One is to say, we're going to go highly disruptive um, and we're going to set up um, a separate organization to focus on that. And HP yeah. have done it, um, IBM have done it, others have done it. Um, or um, we are going to go for um, pure efficiency. We're going to double down on, on you know, Lean Six Sigma, which is, I think, a default for many enterprises. Um, and, and I always say it's, it's okay to focus on the process, but what you don't want to do is be caught flat-footed. And, and an example I gave recently to um, a leadership um, group was uh, a lot of manufacturers in the UK were caught uh, flat-footed. And in terms of business resilience um, and, and agility, that was, an, that was an issue because the lockdown came in, they were no longer to uh, able to manufacture. And the UK government said, hey, I'm willing to spend hundreds of millions, maybe even billions of pounds to get you to manufacture something else. Yeah. And as efficient as they were, they were unable to adapt. And, and that's an extreme case. I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but yeah. it, the principle of being caught flat-footed is right there. So there's like this piece in the middle, um, which doesn't break all of your silos, but it probably gives you the most amount of... Um, adaptability and resilience to changing circumstances, which is to look at the products. And, and, and it's not easy to necessarily organize around uh, products, but you may be able to organize around uh, profit centers. Yeah. So the business gets profit and cost centers. And if I say, and, and it tends to work, if I say organize around your profit centers and then try to align and integrate as many of your cost centers into those profit centers as possible, you're yeah. great. You are always going to have some kind of transversal service. So you may have a legacy piece of technology like SAP or mainframe. Um, you may have like your logistics and distribution arm. And that's fine. I don't think it's feasible in most organizations. For silos, but trying to mitigate those as much as Sorry, possible. Uh, Dean, um, the, my screen froze. And so the last couple of things you said I didn't catch at all. Could you repeat that? I am sorry. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't think it's possible for you to completely get rid of the silos. Yeah. I think if you are going to have 
um, an organization structure which is based around profit centers where you're integrating cost centers in those. So a cost center may be something like part of marketing and maybe um, part of you know finance as much as you can. Yeah. Um, you probably maximize to a certain degree uh, your business resilience and then you're going to have some kind of a cost center which is going to be transversal. This may be something like a legacy technology like SAP or mainframe, it may be logistics, but that kind of gives you the best chance of you being able to switch out uh, or switch your direction and strategy based on what's happening in the financial markets. And, and when I speak to a lot of these executives, what they're really concerned about is, um, and, and they may not say it as, um, as expressive as this is, you've got to make your quarterly numbers in order to keep your st- your shareholders yeah. um, happy. And and a lot of consultants don't think, or maybe they're not aware of the fiduciary responsibility that the board has. Right. So mm-hmm. there's a legal responsibility that you have to maximise um, yeah. returns for um, your shareholders. And so when you take that plus the need to have business resilience and be customer centric, but also the, the rising corporate social responsibility. When you're advising, you kind of have to explain to them at the, um, I guess at the altitude that they're working, how what you're saying balances those in, in the most efficient way. And yeah. then they say, this sounds great. Okay, I'm, I'm bought in. How do we really do it? And I say, where are you most... Um, confident that if you make a change it's not going to negatively impact your bottom line but you have to balance that against complexity so there's a book called crossing the chasm and and if you take if you extrapolate the principle it's if you do something in a really simple area yeah and try to uh, apply it to a complex area the resistance is probably going to be because people are going to say you do that in the easy area, right? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> trying to apply this somewhere else, it's, it's probably not going to work. Yeah, yeah. So you have to balance saying, okay, this is an area which is visible to the organization. It has enough complexity with maybe a touch point with a transversal service like SAP or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not going to risk our business continuity and, and yeah. our bottom line. And so they tend to know where that is, where they can afford to take that. And you just positioning it like that's, I, the feedback has been, you make me feel like you understand the world I'm in. Yeah. yeah and so yeah. that tends to mobilize people. Yeah. It's never going to be as quick as we would like. Nah. Because we don't have the context and the, the, you know, the, there's only so much you're able to see you know, beyond the veil. And, and that's fine, right? They, they, they've got legal duties, but that tends to help to mobilize things. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. And we've talked a lot about the execs and the view of the, from the execs and their world. And um, yeah. I'm not sure we always give the sympathy to managers that they deserve, but you know, they are paid the money. Communicate, bringing yeah. people with you on the journey, workforces, people are yeah. apparently notoriously resistant to change, particularly when they get worried. Yeah. How do you yeah. sort of, I don't know, sell or bring everybody along with you, not just the board? Yeah. Uh, I think this is where a lot of people miss the communication aspects yeah. of it and, yeah. and selling the vision to people where it's really going to touch people's jobs very profoundly. Yeah. So um, it's interesting because uh, 
it's a, a specific client I think about now, uh, and I smile when I think about them. So <laughs> I, I, I had a, a reputation for um, being the person that could um, bring those who were notoriously resistant to change on the journey. Right. Right. Um, and I'm not sure if it, if, if it was really merited or, you know, there are a lot of things which happened before I was ever involved. But the conversation that I had, especially with middle management, um, was, uh, number one, I'm, I would introduce myself to the background, but I'd say, number one, I'm not here to tell you what to do. That's not my job. I'm, yeah. I have no interest in that at all. I'm here for you to help me to understand what are the opportunities and challenges that will help you to get your bonus? Yeah. And I will make sure that by the time that it hits five o'clock or whenever your working day is, you go home and you never have to answer an email, um, work on a slide or look at an Excel sheet unless the house is burning down. <laughs> and you don't go into work any earlier your family time is your family time. Your weekends are yours. And if you are on call, you know, because you're on IT or whatever it may be, yeah. um, you're really being paid just to chill. Like you, there's no expectation that you're really going to actually do anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so they were like, okay, I, I don't know what you're selling, but I'm willing to at least <laughs> have a conversation with you. Well, I'm buying <laughs> it, to be honest, Dean. I love this. Yeah. I mean, it sounds okay, right? And I was like, it, it sounds crazy. Uh, I would say it sounds crazy. Um, you're going to look at me now as I'm either uh, trying to sell you the word and I'm not going to deliver. But I'm, I assure you, if you follow some very basic principles, um, that will happen. And they're like, okay, show me how to do it. And I'm like, I don't know what you're working on and you don't have to be agile. I'm yeah. not saying to be agile, I do this in classic project management. But if for once a quarter, if you do nothing else, once a quarter, you'll spend a day with me planning, yeah. getting all of the stakeholders in one room. Yeah. I can guarantee you that the only way you will answer an email after five is if you haven't followed the instructions in preparation for that day and on that day correctly. Right. And after that, both people in the teams and, and middle management tend to be more resistant because they're like, what you're really saying is you can create a better work culture. And I'm like, I can't do it, but yeah, yeah, you yeah. have the opportunity to participate in it yeah. and I can guide you on what has seemingly worked elsewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's a communication exercise that I do where I say, I'm not going to try to build a team charter with you or because we don't know each other. Right. So th there's yeah. no um, way for us to really hold accountability because yeah. you're not both right so what i will do is spend an hour with you where I, I draw four columns and the first one i say is um what are you willing to give in order to have a productive relationship bearing in mind i'm not here to say what to do i'm here to help you yeah. to uh, resolve problems and exploit opportunities uh, and the next one is what do you expect to receive from me yeah, yeah and from anyone else which is in the team um what do you need in order for this to grow and people tend to get stuck on that point uh, and what I always say is when you first met your best friend or your partner, you didn't have the same relationship that you do now, right? So you had to do things in order for your relationship to grow. Yeah. So help me to understand what are the things that help you to buy into people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and vice versa. And then what will cause your relationship to break? 
and and the important thing there is not really what they put down on the sticky notes or if we're doing it remotely like um, or whatever at all it's the fact that you have a conversation and you and sometimes one person will say the fact that you keep saying it's okay Dean doesn't make me feel like it's okay like I, I interpret that as you being like oh, I don't really care and I'm like oh shoot okay yeah and, and that just avoids you having months of friction build up and you yeah. scratching your head and being like I'm doing yeah. everything right why are you and and it's because you know you just haven't understood something yeah, yeah. so those kinds of things there tend to help me to work right across the spectrum that's really interesting. Uh, have you written a book yet, Dean, about you know business transformation and how to do it? I I haven't, but if you're if you're saying I should, I I look for a writer tomorrow. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm listening to it. Or actually, you did mention a few books along the way, and uh, I mean, obviously, you're well read. Is there any that you would be recommending to um, people who are much more who are interested to sort of get more deeply into this, or things that you found really useful in your career? Yes. So um, one of them would be crossing um, the chasm. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's, it's good from a product development perspective. It's great from a people management and engagement perspective. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you extrapolate the principles. Um, there's a brilliant book called um, What You Do Is Who You Are, and that's by the venture capitalist um, Ben Horowitz. Right. Um, and it talks about, um, you know, how you build a culture and the things you do. And, and if he references his first book, which is The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Um, and there's an example that I give to leadership, which is if you are, uh, and, and it's from his book, he says, if, if someone comes to you and asks for a pay rise and you say no, now you've got a really unhappy employee which may leave. Yeah. But if you tell them yes and you do it off cycle and you say, but don't tell anyone, you better be sure. They're the, even if they don't say anything, the way they straight out of their office lets everyone know they got that pay rise. And, and, and now you've not only got the issue with people feeling uh, annoyed and now wanting to come to you at every point uh, and ask for pay rises, You've also got to deal with the person uh, who probably definitely deserves the pay rise, but yeah. isn't the kind of character to ask for it. Yeah, and yeah. so that helped me to, I guess, look at um, not only transformation as a system, um, but my behavior as a system. And then also say to, you know, um, anyone from the product owner Scrum Master right up to someone in the C-suite, how does your behavior impact the system uh, with a real tangible uh, example, which most people have either been in from one of those different perspectives. So I think that that was great. Um, and I, I, I think um, anything really around finance, so, so finance for dummies and things like that, mainly because reading those books wasn't so much about me wanting to understand um, financial concepts. It was, what is the pressure that these individuals are, not, are under? Yeah. yeah. Right. And, yeah. and just being able to understand how they are interpreting those numbers yeah. and what that does for them. Because I, I think we often forget that the leadership team are dealing, they, they are taking arrows <clears throat> I remember one director um, 
at Vodafone, I had a conversation with him and, and he was great. Um, he was saying, you know, there was, I gave him some feedback and he said, you know, this kind of breaks my heart because I protect um, my team from arrows that they have no idea that even exists. And yeah. like the few that do come through, I understand it's frustrating for them, yeah. but like I've got a back full of arrows and that was one of the first times I was like, oh man, wait, there, there, not only is there a real human behind here, he, he spent some time to help me to understand what is it like going and uh, reporting to the shareholders and, and dealing with all those different dynamics. And I was like, you have to be able to understand the finance that drives a lot of this behavior, whether it's negative or not. Um, and I would say the, um, either the theory, not, probably not even either, probably both, uh, the theory of um, disruption uh, and the innovators dilemma because Christian Clayton really articulates why what, is at least perceived to be very poor decisions are made, right? And yeah, yeah. if you understand um, the marginal finance, so when the CFO may look at a decision and he's like, I get what you're saying, if in, in three years' time we'll be making, or maybe like five years' time, we're going to make an extra seven billion. But if we just spent a hundred million this year, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'd make an extra like 500 million. And, and that makes more sense right from a risk yeah. perspective it's like why wouldn't you do that and it's that kind of behavior that if you if you really want to get wide sweep and change you need to be able to explain to them why that doesn't make sense in a language that they understand because you're not just speaking to them yeah. you have to equip them with the ability to tell the story when you're out of the room yeah yeah and yeah. for them to tell it with so much confidence that they don't have to come back and get you in that's a because tip. Dean, that's a fabulous tip. You, giving them the confidence to tell the story as if you're in the room, but you're not. I love that. So those would be the books I'd probably recommend. Yeah, and we will put the links to those books in uh, under the um, podcast so people can check them out. Awesome. Uh, a, a great selection. Uh, it's, it's actually interesting. I mean, I think I have noticed not as many coaches perhaps as should... don't talk about the economics of business and, and making money. They talk about value, mm -hmm. but... Although there's a yeah. movement of money, and, and you've mentioned finance quite a lot, yeah. not all money, of course. Um, no, 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 no. As once we've got, you know, coming back to your pay rise thing, you know, there's a point when money's off the table. Then there's more demand for fulfilment and mastery and purpose as well, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I think all of those things are um, are really important. I guess I try to look at things um, from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yeah. right? Yeah. So. It's great to look at that from a personal perspective, but if, if you are looking at a business of any size, you're looking at the personification of that many times over. Yeah. yeah. And so is in order for you to get to the, uh, the, per, uh, the point where you can be consumed or even consider um, mastery and, and purpose and being fulfilled as an individual, there are a few things <laughs> that you kind of need to get sorted first. And, yeah. and, and, and I think we often um, assume that those needs have been fulfilled. And I think yeah, the, yeah. the crisis has been brilliant at, at visualizing just how quickly companies which report huge numbers, um, you know, how quickly they, they can fall, right? Yeah. You know, two Absolutely. to three weeks in, you know, you, you are seeing a domino effect of, of, yeah. of companies. And so I think if you are um, in any position where you, 
you're inside that organization and you really know how fragile those numbers are. Yeah. It's great to talk about autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And I think you, you, you as an individual want that, right? So yeah. I don't think you, you definitely don't want that for your people. You probably yeah. do, but you're like, I can't expressly say it. <laughs> but if we don't, you know, the numbers are quite tight here. So I, uh, yeah. I want them to have that, but I'd like them to have meals on their yeah. table when payday hits. Exactly. And so I think I try to look at uh, as many different aspects as I can. Yeah. Um, that enable that to happen. How do you give people the space, I guess? Yeah. It, it's where I'm going. Um, yeah, to be able I, to I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I've known a few business, I think, in fact, I, I could find mine. Um, he was describing the end his business for a long time. And, you know, mm. really, uh, he felt very much about, I mean, if the business doesn't go well, will they be able to pay their mortgage? They've got kids, they've got food to do. Yeah, yeah. He felt that very viscerally, actually. And perhaps that's yeah. not seen or understood. Um, I suppose one last thing then is, you know, we are in lockdown, you're, you're in Wapping, I'm in, in, here in Essex in my house. Um, a big change, something massive just slaps a load of corporate companies. Maybe their numbers are now looking fragile. Um, yeah. People looking at their digital assets and wondering if they're now up to scratch as the only way to survive. Yeah. Is there going to be a lot of transformation work? There's going to be a lot of companies that need to move rapidly and, and change to compete and survive, do you think? Have we, have we reached a real turning point now uh so i have this conversation quite a lot yeah okay. i try to speak to the surprising for me uh, the the finance guys and and the cios yeah uh to understand where they are uh and also the risk manager uh and again i go back to um chris and Clayton and and the theory of innovation and, and and so forth right because you're in a tough spot so yeah. If you, and this sounds like a large number, right? But if you have a, a billion in the bank account, but your burn rate every month is a hundred million to keep your operation going. Yeah. Do you want to invest in a transformation that you're not sure how to execute? Yeah, yeah. Would you want to hold on to that money because you don't know what's going to happen and can you get the financing and yeah. are you going to get an, a, a, an activist investor who who's going to trigger a, a sale which yeah. is going to, end up with 50% of your workforce going and you want to save their jobs or do you and, and, and maybe it's not fair to say do you pluck up the courage maybe it's, it's better to say do you take the decision and, and um, accept the risk that if you make an investment today you hope to make it out of the other side and I think I think that I think from an external point of view it makes sense that we should be seeing the largest wave of transformation yeah, yeah. Um, that we have ever seen. I think from a risk management perspective, if that does happen, I think it will probably be delayed to the point of where we're like, guys, uh, <laughs> the, the startups and, and whoever else is, yeah, you know, they, they've come and got you. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably fascinating dean I, I could talk to you forever i love some of these insights and uh it's been really interesting uh, I, I think it possibly um time for a tea and i've got chocolate brownies in the fridge sent by some friends i know they look <laughs> you know i'm gonna be one of the ones who come out of lockdown am i gonna be as well you know bodybuilder type or I'm be about half a stone more i think you know where that's gonna go
position. No, thank you for your time. It's, it's, no, it's, it's really great to um, So to everybody, um, if anything that Dean's talked about, you'd like to talk to us about or uh, get in touch with Dean, please uh, contact either of us. Uh, you can get us through uh, LinkedIn, of course. Uh, you can write to me at ian.gill at agilitybynature.com. Dean, how can they get hold of you? Uh, yeah, you can get hold of me by reaching out to me at Dean, D-E-A-N dot Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at kwusu.com, so cruisu.com. Um, I'm easy to get hold of. Okay, it's been great. Uh, have a lovely uh, evening and enjoy the sunny Thank weekend, you. I think, is coming as well. <laughs> Thank you, my yeah. friend. Look after yourself. Okay. Cheers now. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.